Mercurio's and Tissipas drama lights up Wimbledon, lights up Twitter. Something that we're not used to seeing in the tennis world. Really exciting. Gonna give you guys all the details about that. Also, Ronaldo wants out of Manchester United. I completely agree with the decision. United have not shown any ambition this summer. And he, at this stage of the career, Ronaldo needs to be competing for championships. Also, Rudy Gobert gets traded to the Timberwolves. Does this mean the Timberwolves are now serious contenders? Or is, does it not really move the needle? And another crazy news, KD could be going back to the Warriors. That would be insane. Uh, personally, from what I've seen living in the Bay Area, I know that Warrior fans kind of don't want him back. They do want him, obviously, because of opening championships. But they kind of want the team to prove itself. They kind of like the original court also. So we got to talk about that. But all of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Tissy Paz and Kyrios, man, honestly, I'm loving this drama. I'm, lo- I'm loving this rivalry that's building up. Nick Kyrios defeats Tissy Paz in the third round in four sets, losing the first set on a tie break and then winning the next two and closing out on the fourth set in a tie break. It was an exciting game, a lot of drama, a lot of antics. Um, Tissy Paz referred it as a, as a circus. He called Kyrios a bully. There was a lot of stuff. Honestly, if you're into tennis, if you're into the Wimbledon and you haven't really kept up with this, this is, is very entertaining, in my opinion. Obviously, if you're a tennis purist, if you think that it should stay a gentleman's sport, per se, then you might be, you know, turned away by this. But me, as someone that, like, you know, I watch all the sports, I'm used to seeing people get emotional. Players show how they're really feeling. This is very entertaining. Honestly, this this is a, it's a lot of fun. Because Kyrgios, yeah, he does, you know, berate the officials, the umpire, and he does go over the top. But like he said, he didn't really do anything to Tsitsipas. Um, he kind of just wanted him to get defaulted because Tsitsipas did throw a ball into the stands that hit the wall and then hit a fan. So I could see why Kyrgios was asking for that. And like I said, tennis is a gentleman's sport, so they might have different rules. They might have, they might have a different culture. But in soccer, in basketball, in a lot of other sports... It's not uncommon for a player to ask for an opposing player to be kicked out. In soccer, after a hard foul, uh, it's very common where the other team would go up to the ref and be like, yo, like that should be a red card, that should be a red card. Like, get him out of here. Go, go into the line judge uh, or the the linesman on the, on the outside of the field, running up to him, be like, hey, you know, help out your ref, tell him that's a red. Like, it happens. In basketball, the same thing, like... As soon as, if I, if I could recall a moment in these playoffs, when uh, Gary Payton the second was hurt on that dunk attempt that he got hit on the back and he fell on the floor, immediately um, Warriors players went up to the ref like asking, like, dude, he should be kicked out. That's an ejection. That's an ejection. That should be a flagrant two. And it was a flagrant two, but like I said, it's not, it's not uncommon in the sports world for someone to ask for an opposition to be ejected. So that's what Nick Kyrgios was doing. Obviously, if you're in tennis, if tennis is the only thing you watch and you're known for it being a gentleman's sport, I can see why that would be like, oh, you don't really do that. You know, you let the umpires do their job and you just play tennis. But like I said, I I come from a very diverse sports background. Like I I follow so many sports. So this this is not something that really deterred me or made me look at Kyrgios like like an enemy or like a bad person it's just that's what happens in sports and then Tissipas did hit a a member 
that was in the stands, uh, uh, a fan. And then he did try to smack Kyrios with the ball. So I think that's more egregious than anything Kyrios did. So for Tsitsipas to call him a bully and all this other stuff, I don't know. I don't agree with it. I think it's part of sports. Like Kyrios said, he mentioned something about the people that he plays basketball with. I'm pretty sure he plays with some pros, some pros that play in the basketball league in Australia. So he does play against some competitive people that do, you know, play with a lot of stakes because they are professionals. And like I said, just making the references back to other sports, like even Kyrgios mentioned it, that um, like like a little trash talking that's normal in sports. And he wasn't even trash talking. He was just he was just doing his like he was just kind of verbally abusing the the official, which obviously he should be frowned upon and he did get fined. But like directly to Tsitsipas, he didn't really do anything other than ask for him to be defaulted. But Tsitsipas, like those two press conferences after the match were just they were they were pretty electric. They were pretty exciting to watch. They were funny, and then um, he called him a bully. He says he had he has an evil side to him. Nick Heroes responded by saying, uh, "Maybe he needs to figure out how to beat me more often." And he said that Tissy Pie is getting shook by what Kiros was doing is what's holding him back, which I kind of agree with because Tissy Pie is a very talented player, especially in clay. Um, but he's never won a major, and you know we still. We we're still waiting for that generation to take that leap. They're the next generation. Um, Sinner and Alcaraz are the you know the next next generation. They're they're still not there. And Akira's is kind of right. Like if you let someone's antics like that distract you from your game, where you're not even going for points, you're just trying to hit, smack them with the ball. That that says a lot about like your mental fortitude. But it didn't end there. Like afterwards, Tsitsipas. Also liked some tweets on Twitter saying that Kyrgios' matches are not really about tennis. It's all about everything else but tennis. And just like he liked like three tweets basically dissing Kyrgios. But I think at the end, Kyrgios got the last laugh because he moved on to the next round. Where he played against Nakashima and he just defeated him a couple hours ago um, in five sets. They went the distance and he, he, he uh, took control in the fifth set. So now he's going up against... Um, who's he going up against? Uh, the Chilean guy, I'm, I'm blanking out his name, but he's moving on to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon where he has a great chance to make it to the semifinals and play against either Nadal or Taylor Fritz. So that's, uh, Kyrgios really has a chance to make it at least to the semifinals and then we'll see what happens. But honestly, I, like there's a lot of people that are like, man, this is not good for tennis, gentleman's sport, blah, blah, blah. I understand. But there's a lot of comments that I've been seeing on Twitter that like, Twitter, Instagram, that I kind of agree with, even YouTube, where they're like, um, this middle class, this upper middle class uh, fan fan base that tennis has is so, you know, it's so, like, into their customs, into their traditions that, like, someone like Nick Heroes comes and brings some of that other sports cultures from other, from other sports that are so common in other sports like basketball and soccer, and he brings some of that to tennis, and they're just completely... Shooken, <laughs> they're shooketh by it, but honestly, I, th- I think it's I think it's exciting. I think it's fun. I think the younger generation, for the most part, enjoys it. Uh, as you can see by Nick Curio's matches, by how full they get, by the amount of followers he has on social media. I think there's a lot of people that enjoy this. Obviously, like I always say, he could tone it down a little bit with the umpires and you know the obscenities that he says. But today against Nakashima, he did um, tone it down like a lot. 
commentators were like, yo, this is the most calm I've ever seen Nick Kyrgios. Like, it's, it's good to see that he could tone it down. So we want to see more of that from Nick Kyrgios, like today. But overall, I think he's great for the sport. I think what Tsitsipas is saying, too, like, he kind of defended himself. He kind of he kind of made himself out, made himself look like a victim, and he didn't show enough accountability for hitting the ball into a fan and doing all this stuff. But I enjoy the rivalry that's building up here, and I can't wait to see when they play again. Cristiano Ronaldo wants out of Manchester United after a June where they didn't purchase anyone. They haven't made any moves to straighten the squad. They're, they've kind of just stayed put all of June, which is a very important month to get transfers in to strengthen the squad. United really hasn't done anything, and Ronaldo, being as ambitious, as goal-driven as he is, has let United know that, you know what, this is not going to work out. It was it was a good story. It was nice to be back for one year. But I'm in the business of winning titles and competing in Champions League, not Europa League. So I want out. Deuces. So um, United has stated that he's not for sale and he's going to remain under contract with them for another year. But there is rumors that they, they probably will facilitate this for Ronaldo because they have a good relationship. And Ronaldo, you know, being the legend that he is, if he asks for something, he's probably going to get it from the team. So... Well, some teams that he go he could go to, obviously with the wages that he demands and just the stature that he is, not not too many teams are on that short list that could, you know, grab Ronaldo's interest and be able to afford him. Usually P- PL teams and, you know, maybe Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, some of the Italian teams could maybe afford him. But like I said, Barcelona, he's not going to go there. I'm pretty sure he has, he's a Real Madrid legend. It would be insane if he would go there. And they're kind of like, you know, they're bankrupt. So I don't think they would really be in there. Real Madrid, a reunion. It, it's, it, I think there's a slight possibility that, that's, that that happens. But I think Real Madrid is already going on its own court, course. And they just won Champions League. So I don't know if Ronaldo wants to hop on that after they just won Champions League. It's like, is he joining, like, you know, is he being a front runner if he joins Real Madrid? Um, so there's really like Bayern, you know, Napoli has been thrown in there. Um, PSG obviously are going to be thrown in there because they have a lot of money. They could afford Ronaldo. It'll be insane. Uh, there's rumors that Neymar, um, wants out or he's going to be let go. So those are pretty much the teams that he could go to. And in the Premier League, United's not going to sell him to, to City. So we, there's no chance that City gets involved in this. And I don't even know if they want him. And the other the other contender, um, I wouldn't, I don't think not, um, Liverpool would go for him, Arsenal, any of those teams. The one, the one Premier League team that does have a chance to sign him would be Chelsea. It got reported that he Ronaldo met with Chelsea co-owner Todd Bully. Um, so what does that mean? I don't know. Is something going to get done? Uh, I honestly, I think Manchester United would prefer to send him outside of the Premier League. Maybe to Napoli or PSG or Bayern if they get interested, but like I said, I think Bayern Munich's front up top is kind of is kind of set. Obviously, with Ronaldo, you know who who would really turn down that opportunity? There's always going to be a little itch, but ultimately, I don't think they're going to get into it. I think it really comes down to PSG or Chelsea. I think those are the two teams. We got to see what PSG does because supposedly they're not interested at this time. But if they let go of Neymar, if if a Premier League team comes knocking for Neymar, now they have an opening that could be filled by Ronaldo. 
And that would be insane. Honestly, that would be insane. Messi and Ronaldo in the same team, teaming up, playing Champions League football as teammates after the heated rivalry that they had all these years. That would break the internet. That would break the, the soccer world, the soccer community. It would be just completely S9. S9. But like I said, I think it comes down to PSG or um, Chelsea making a move and United just, you know, sucking it up and just letting him stay in the Premier League as, you know, competition. But what do you guys think? Is there any other team that could get in there, make a, make a push? Um, one of the Milan teams, maybe? Um, I don't know. I think at this time, it's going to come down to Chelsea or if PSG um, maybe move Neymar and then they get they get in the business of Ronaldo. But got to keep an eye on this. It is Cristiano Ronaldo, in my opinion, the GOAT, the greatest player of all time. I'm I'm super interested where he's going to play next year. I just hope he gets out of Manchester United cuz as they showed in June, they are not that ambitious and they're kind of just letting the glaciers keep dragging them to the mud. Rudy Gobert gets traded from the Jazz to the Timberwolves in a crazy crazy deal. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt and multiple first round picks in the trade that the Jazz do to get offload Rudy Gobert. For the Jazz, they're saying that they're going to keep Mitchell and they're going to try to revamp revamp the team around him. I don't know how well that's going to work. Mitchell, he probably wants to win right now. He doesn't want to be part of a rebuild or a retool or whatever they want to call it, revamp. Any of those words with re on it, I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to be a part of that. He's like in the middle of his prime right now he he should be competing he should be part of a team that has real championship aspirations not part of a retool rebuild revamp any of those words that start with the re so i don't know i don't think it ends here with the jazz i think donovan mitchell needs to add pressure to them and ask for a trade or ask to get moved ask them to flip some of these pieces to get another established star because it it just looked like him and rudy gobert were never going to be enough but that's pretty much it with the Jazz. We got to see what they do if they flip any of these players and assets into another star, or if they ultimately, you know, really just call it a full reset and get rid of Donovan Mitchell. So we got to keep an eye on that because Donovan Mitchell moving to another team would move the needle. Like if he goes to the Heat or he goes to a team that is right there, it does move the needle. But now let's talk about Rudy Gobert going to the Timberwolves. Like, how does that how does that impact the Timberwolves? Because the initial thoughts um, is that the Timberwolves are going to be a top four team in the West. I've even seen people talk about you know them being right beneath the Warriors, being the second favorite team on the West. And honestly, I'm not um, I'm not as excited as a lot of people are. Like, yeah, this is this is a this is a good move. You're adding a three time de- defensive player of the year. You're going to have D'Lo, Ant, Cat, Rudy Gobert, and I believe McDaniels as a small forward, which is good. It's a good lineup. Everyone's like 6'5 and above. Very tall lineup. You have Cat, um, who's a star. He's not going to have to, you know, bump and grind down low anymore. You could have Rudy Gobert really anchor that defense. You could let Cat just do this thing on offense, pull up from three. It'll be easier for Cat to space out the floor. But but honestly, the only thing I could think of with this trade is I, I was watching the 
Um, I was watching JJ Reddick's podcast. I think when Kate when Kevin Durant was on it, and they talked about how the stretch four kind of disappeared. Like the stretch four became basically became a five, and then you play with two small forwards or or wings, and then you play with your guards. And the stretch four is kind of disappeared. Like you don't have a big man playing the stretch four. You have one big man with shooters, whether it be two wings and two guards, three wings and a guard, whatever it is, the stretch four kind of disappeared. So that now this move for the Wolves, are you, are you going to have Rudy Gobert and, and Kat closing out the games? Like all, like obviously, right? You gave up this much for Rudy Gobert. He's going to be on your closing lineup. Cat is your franchise centerpiece. He's going to be playing essentially the stretch four. And I think Cat, his best position in today's NBA is to play the five. You don't want Rudy Gobert, you know, clogging up the middle for Ant to attack the, the rim, D'Lo to attack the rim. Although he's not as athletic, you know, he could finish pretty good at the rim. I am excited to see D'Lo and Rudy Gobert do that pick and roll. D'Lo did have a good connection with... Um, with Allen back when they were in Brooklyn and Rudy Gobert is in that similar mold top player Rudy Gobert is probably a better version of uh, Jared Allen but now D'Lo plays with Rudy Gobert so we'll see how good they are but I think it's a good move it makes them a little bit better Rudy Gobert especially in the regular season is going to help them get dubs he's going to help them get victories he's going to be up there again for being a defensive player of the year candidate but I don't think this makes the Wolves a top four, top three, top top two team in the West. I think if anything, it just kind of solidifies them as a playoff team, top six, top six team in, in the West. Um, I think Rudy Gobert will have more an impact on the regular season than in the playoffs. But the one thing we got to consider is that maybe it saves Cat. Maybe it, it keeps him fresh the rest of the season. And you know, you you have to put, you can't put a a number of context into just momentum. So if they're able to get into the playoffs with a lot of momentum, have a really good regular season, feel good about yourself, have confidence, then, you know, once you're in the dance, you're in the dance and anything can happen. As we saw this year, injuries killed a lot of teams and all the healthy teams, the teams that were able to maneuver through their injuries were able to make a deep run. Like we saw the, we saw the, we saw the Bucks you know, lose their chance to defend their championship because they didn't have Middleton. So all I'm saying is, although I don't think Rudy Gobert, if everyone's healthy, really pushes the Wolves into that upper echelon of contenders, I think what he does do is he's going to make them get rack of victories in the regular season. That's where his defense really shines in the regular season. And then ultimately, Cat is going to be fresher going into the playoffs because Rudy Gobert is going to be taking... The pounding in the middle, he's going to be anchoring that defense instead of putting Cat as the five, making him, you know, really defend the rim and be that anchor to the defense. It's going to be Rudy Gobert now. And that could, them getting to the playoffs, Cat being healthy, hopefully going into the playoffs. And then once you're in, anything can happen. But ultimately, if you have every team in the West put out their best lineup, be healthy, I don't think Rudy Gobert makes them legit championship contenders. But like I said, once you're in the playoffs, if you're healthy, you have a chance. This team definitely has a chance. I think the development of Ant has to be put into this equation 
Ant was a amazing rookie year. We got to see how he does his second year. D'Lo, he, he, if he can go back, maybe go back to his um, Brooklyn days where he was really like amazing. They're not bad. They're not bad. I don't think. I, I, hopefully, I'm not sounding like a hater. I know Wolves fans. This is the most they've been excited for a season, and God knows how long. But like I said, I I want to put a little pause on all these people that are saying that because they're not too many. But I have seen people say that you know they should be right behind the Warriors, ahead of the Suns, as championship contenders out of the West. Let's put a little pause in there. Is KD going back to the Warriors? That would be insane. Um, I did cover it already about KD asking for a trade. I thought ultimately he's going to go to the Suns. But since then, it has been the idea that he might be going to the Warriors has been thrown around. And I would just like to say that I am completely against this. Obviously, I'm a Laker fan, first and foremost. So I might be a little biased. I might be saying this because him going to the Warriors will ultimately block the path of the Lakers winning anything. But I say this as a basketball fan as well. Like, I just don't want to see it. Like, when KD was with the Warriors, the league was not fun. It was a foregone conclusion. Who's going to make it out of the East was the only thing that was up for grabs. Warriors were going to go represent the West, and they were going to beat whoever came out of the East in four or five games. And that was it. Injuries slowed that down the last year. KD got hurt. Klay Thompson got hurt. But I do think they would have won. In versus Toronto, if they were if they were healthy, like I think everyone can just agree to that. So if he goes back, I think it kind of ruins the league. The league has been really fun these last three years that KD left the Warriors, and I like it like that. It's, I think it's gonna be great. Um, I don't mind KD leaving Brooklyn. I think if he goes, I don't even really mind him going to these first place teams in the East or 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 West. Like, yeah, some teams might some people are calling him front runners because he wants to go to Miami. He wants to go to the Suns, who are num- who are the number one seed in the East and West, respectively. But that's fine. Like that's that's little. That's just a little bit of criticism that he would get. Like I think that would blow over if he brings them championships. Him going back to the Warriors as the current NBA champions, that's just ridiculous. I I don't know how KD could do that. And he's very aware of Twitter of what people say, as evidenced by his replies on Twitter. He gets into really like Twitter rants. He'd just be like sending Twitter at tweet after tweet after tweet. So I'm just I'm just shocked that this is even a conversation. And I'm also shocked from the Warriors said. Like how does how does Draymond tell um KD that they could have done it? Like they did it before him and they they could do it without him, that they don't need him. And they actually do it and now they're gonna they're gonna want to bring him back. Like that's crazy. And they have so many young pieces, Kaminga, Wiseman, uh, Moody. Um, they just have so many good players. And they have a good thing going with Jordan Poole. Uh, obviously, some pieces left, like Gary Payton, fan favorites, Gary Payton. I think uh, Juan Toscano Anderson was a, was a fan favorite, too, from what I could tell. There was a lot of Mexican flags in the parade. There was a lot of people that talked about him, JTA, JTA. So, obviously, the... They're not going to be able to keep everyone. So people were getting ready to, you know, let go of of some of the pieces. But I think everyone in the Bay Area living here personally is excited to see how Wiseman, what they could get out of Wiseman, the second overall pick, what they could get from Kaminga, who's a specimen who could turn out to be, you know, like a Jalen Brown if they really develop him. And if the Warriors are known for anything, it's really developing their players. So, like, 
I don't know. I'm seeing a tweet from Warriors on NBC, and it's like irrational, delusional. The Warriors reuniting with KD would undo everything they're committed to building over the last three years. You know, and I agree. Like this is the sentiment that I'm getting too. It's like it looks like they're building, they're building that bridge between this current generation of Clay Thompson, Curry, and Draymond, and now they have Wiseman, Kaminga, Poole. <clears throat> Like, obviously, Poole's a nice piece. I don't think he's going to lead them in the future. Kaminga, we'll see what he does. Wiseman, second overall pick. He has to really step up. They still got to, you know, find their, develop their players, make them into legit stars. But they're building that path. Do they really want to get into this dance again with KD? Does KD really want to go back to here where, you know, you have the GM taking shots at him in the championship parades. And you got fans saying that they don't need him and they won't before him. Like... This is just messy all around. Like, if you broke up with each other, just stay broken up, man. This is just reminding me of couples that break up and keep getting back together. And, like, it's, it's just, it does, it's a bad look. It's a bad look on both sides. I think it's a worse look for KD. Uh, I think it's a bad look for Curry on a, on a smaller level, too. Like, if I was Curry, if I was that player that's now getting put in the top 10 list of all time, greatest shooter of all time, pushing for greatest point guard of all time, like, Curry legit has a chance to compete against Magic. If Curry wins two more, one or two more championships by himself with this supporting cast, there's going to be people that are putting him, like, legit. Now he's, like, kind of competing with Isaiah as the number the, the number two. They're right there. Uh, he, I think he passed Isaiah now, but he could really compete against Magic. If they get KD... I don't know if those championships that they would, they would potentially get together would move Curry up as much as they would have. Obviously, they wouldn't. Like, if he wins them by himself or with the supporting cast, the amount of, you know, credit he would get and, like, ranking points he would get would be a lot more. So, I think I think Curry should turn, like, I would if I was Curry, I'm like, dude, we could do it. Let's run it back with this team, with this core, with these young guys. Like, we could do it again. Like, I'm Steph Curry. Like, did you not see what I did in game four? I'm the finals MVP. Like, let's do it. Let's run it back. But honestly, and KD too. Like, I would be like, hell nah. Like, enough. Like, I don't want to go. I joined the 73-team Warrior team, and I got killed for it. And now I'm going to try to join the championship, like, uh, uh, the reigning NBA Finals champions, Warriors. Like, come on, dude. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't ruin the NBA. Go to the Suns. Kyrie would go to the Lakers. And all three teams could duke it out. Suns, Warriors, Lakers. And the Clippers are obviously going to be dangerous too with PG and Quad coming back. And then we'll see the Wolves prove me wrong and really make a push. And then that'll be a fun NBA. That'll be a very exciting NBA. That'll be an NBA that I want to watch. KD going to the Warriors, the reigning champs. Put, putting them over the edge, killing competition. I don't want to see that. But that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. As always, thank you so much if you made it to the end. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Happy 4th of July. And uh, yeah, have a good one.